When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to More Than Amuse podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and others on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week with More Than Amuse. I'm Sadie. And I'm Stani. And we're so excited to have you listening. Before we get started in this episode, we are talking about Beatrix Potter. Mm -hmm. Um, A few things that we're going to talk about is her early life, um, raising fun little animals in her schoolhouse, her obsession with fungi and illustrating different mushrooms around her yard, her parents' uh, involvement in multiple different engagements and their refusal of the relationships that she had, her publishing of her famous book Peter Rabbit and later on in life her sheep farming that was award-winning and it's our first episode of 2021 so we are super excited yep so hope you enjoy it and enjoy the episode hey everybody we just wanted to take a quick little break and remind you that we have a patreon that you can check out we do and we're super excited about a lot of the things that we offer um we have a newsletter that will be coming out every month that you'll get um if you only want to get the newsletter we have that option as well and we'll be talking about different things sharing personal stories from our life about different aspects of being a woman in the arts so definitely go check it out for that and then we also have a postcard that you'll get every month with a personal message from us and a bonus episode and as far as the postcard goes donnie makes very amazing designs and so this will be something that will be very beautiful that you can display that will be something pertaining to women in the arts whether it be something that we talked about that month the person that will cover whatever but trust me they'll be beautiful and they, they would be you. worth it <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely something you can add to your vision board and help mm-hmm. you focus on different people you learn about. And totally. Also, we are doing um, a thing right now where if you become a Patreon within your first 30 days, we'll send you a More Than Amuse pin. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely something to jump on and totally get right now for your first month. Those pins are really cute. I love mine. Yeah. I wear it proudly. They're so, so cute. I'm really happy with how they turned out. So definitely. Too. So yeah, check out our Patreon, you know, just more than a muse mm-hmm. Patreon. It's on our website here and it's also linked here in our show notes. So you can check that out. Yeah. Great. And enjoy the episode. Okay. Then the question that I have for you today is, um, do you remember any like children's books from your childhood that you really love? Like, specifically, maybe an illustrated children's book. Yes. I'm trying to think. Okay. I feel like the one classic one is, like, the... I don't even know what it's called, but the picture of it is the little boy with the watch that he's dropping into the toilet. 
and it's like I'll always love you like yeah forever, I think my baby you'll always be I don't know what it's called but that one was adorable love you forever by the way that's what it's yeah called. yeah yeah mm-hmm. love you forever I never realized it's a boy dropping a watch in a toilet <laughs> But you're so right. It totally yeah. is. <laughs> That's the one. That's funny. But that one was really cute. Another one. Okay. I don't think this is like a big one, but this is the one that I liked. So I just Googled it because I didn't know if I remembered it, but it's called something is not quite right. And it's kind of like one of those like find the mistake books where oh. it would be like a fish was flying or a pencil was through the air. The teacup would have legs walking around. And it's like a little girl going throughout her day just being like, something just feels weird today. But then there's like all these things around her that are like weird, like a man like sweeping underneath the grass and like just oh, anyways, man. it's a whole illish fun illustrations. And then at the end of the day, she realizes that she was wearing mixed matched socks. Oh, cute. And so she's like, there's what was wrong. <laughs> so I loved that book. That's I would read so that book cute. a lot. Man, yeah. I love that. I haven't read cute. that. I remember the Love You Forever one, um, actually, mm -hmm. because my piano teacher had it. So I would read when my brother was <laughs> <laughs> during his lesson. <laughs> That's cute. Um, I, one of my favorites, um, were actually, I need to do a whole episode on her. <laughs> but Jan Brett actually has these beautifully illustrated children's books that were usually more Christmas time ones but one oh of the i just googled like the mitten mm -hmm. yes yeah yes the mitten and then she has a bunch of other ones too but we had one of her books that i think was like a collected work so it had like a bunch of them in and one of my favorite things that she did is she like framed all of her illustrations and then in the little pictures on either side it would be uh -huh. like um, a flashback to what had happened on the previous page and like a preview to what was going to happen on the next page in like the little Ooh. side illustrations. And then they were just like really intricately detailed, beautiful. That's cool. Yes. So I loved those, especially around the winter time. I also love Dr. Seuss. I feel oh, like that's yeah. very cliche, but I, the first book I ever read was Green Eggs and Ham. So, that's so cute. and I remember being like, I read an entire book by myself. Yeah. So no, I Green Eggs that. and Ham. There's a little video, there's a video, like home video of me somewhere proudly reading <laughs> Green Eggs and Ham to my, to my parents. <laughs> that is so cute. No, I think that Dr. Seuss has a very important role in ch childhood. He really does. Yeah. Like so many classics. Definitely. There was one book that I loved. It was like Star Catcher. And it was a picture mm. book about a girl trying to catch stars and like fishing them out of ponds and stuff. And I remember all the stars were like shiny, like they had gold uh -huh. foil on the pages. Oh, that's cool. But I don't remember what the title was or anything. We had a lot of dinosaur books growing up because my little brother was obsessed with dinosaurs. That's and, awesome. you know, I'd read to him a lot. That would be like our bonding choice mm -hmm. as children. And I don't remember. It was called. Oh, yeah. It was called Dinosaur Romp. And it was like one of those like rhyming books. And it was like, shake, shake, shudder near the sluggy old swamp. The dinosaurs are come and get ready to romp. <laughs> and we would always like, I still know that. So lots of dinosaur oh books. That is so funny. Reading the dinosaur romp together. That reminds me. Did you ever read the Philadelphia Chickens book? No. Oh I, what is that? <laughs> so 
Philadelphia chickens. And then there's another one called like Rhinoceros Tap, I think. But it was a book that came with a CD. And it was these songs that like were just little funny, quirky songs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then you could put the CD in and then it would have like the lyrics and pictures in the book that you could Mm. read. But these songs are so catchy and so funny <laughs> like I to am, this day like my whole family Philadelphia chicken oh my gosh you need to my whole family still quotes like lines from this book <laughs> and like sings different parts of it we owned both of them and that's amazing yeah I would highly recommend chickens. go well I think I know what I'm songs. YouTubing after we <laughs> record this <laughs> oh my gosh I have to think the cows one is really funny and then um, Far Away Cookies is hilarious, too. But That's funny. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the children's, like, the books I remember, though, are, like, ones that, like, in elementary school, like, mm-hmm. the librarians would read to us. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I liked the Berenstein Bears oh, a yeah. lot. They were cute. Also, do you remember the, the Giving Tree? Is that one? Yes. I do remember that one. That one was cute. Or Alexander in the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one, too. And or then the rainbow fish with oh, the yeah. scale. Uh-huh. That was a librarian mm. favorite. <laughs> yeah, that was a librarian favorite. It's, and it was cute. Very cute. No, I love this. Yeah, children's books, I feel like, are very underrated. Yeah. Because, like you said, you kind of forget about them as you get older. Mm-hmm. And you remember. Like, some of them are still very nice, charming stories. Yes. And I think it's really cute. And they're very needed, of course. It's like the first books that you ever read. And, I mean, obviously they do leave a mark because I can still quote the dinosaur romp. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm over here fault. singing Philadelphia chickens, so. <laughs> <laughs> obviously they're important. But the reason I wanted to ask you this, um, it that's actually really fun that we talked about these. I want to go back through and see which ones are written by women for future episodes. But oh, yeah. the person that we're talking about today is most famous for her children's book, Peter Rabbit. Oh, yeah. I know who Peter Rabbit is. Yes, that's who we're talking about today is the author and illustrator of Peter Rabbit. And... That's what she's known for the most, but there's a lot more to her, and she's extremely interesting. (laughs) I was actually really surprised. Um, Her name is Beatrix Potter. She was born in July 28th in 1866 in West Mm -hmm. Brompton, London, England. So kind of her era would be the 19th century. And because we've talked so much about the 19th century, it's a pretty common one. I'm not going to dive into it too much. If you want to hear more about the 19th century, I think our Halloween episode, we talked about it a ton. And then I think there was someone else that we talked about that was 19th century as well. But I could be wrong. Maybe Clara Schumann? That could have been. She was more early 19th century though. Yeah. But anyway, it's a pretty common era. I think we're going to be diving into it more moving forward too. So I didn't feel the Mm. need to like talk about it too much. Basically, um, briefly, like, women were pretty um, discriminated against, but it wasn't as bad as previous era. So it was kind of the turn of the century Mm -hmm. where things were starting to get a little bit better. Um, Obviously, they were still expected to be, like, caretakers and um, mothers 
and not really pursue too much of a career but Mm -hmm. there were a lot of like female authors and journalists that were coming forward so it was a little bit more popular for women to be in that field in different fields and Mm -hmm. have more of a career so it wasn't like the craziest thing in the world it but it still wasn't super common if that makes sense so that's kind of her era and kind of one of the interesting things about her is her family was extremely wealthy they were very well off and so it kind of changed her childhood a lot from what other people probably were experiencing at the time um her grandfather actually owned at the time what was the largest calico printing works in england so he was printing calico fabric i'm assuming yeah (laughs) and he also served as a member of parliament so he was a pretty important guy and then her father rupert william potter was a barrister and so he practiced law and then um so he was a lawyer which has never been uh, an underpaid profession (laughs) yes and then he married her mother helen leach And both of her parents were actually artistically talented. Her father Mm. was, they called him an adept amateur photographer. So he really Mm -hmm. liked to take photos. And also one of his hobbies was investing in the stock market, which of course Ah. didn't make them any more poor. (laughs) They were just one of his casual hobbies. (laughs) Yeah. And then her mother was a talented painter. She did a lot oh, of like cool. painting and illustration, but just kind of as more of a, a hobby. So they lived in this beautiful house. It was just Beatri- Beatrix and her brother, Walter Bertram, who was a little bit younger than her. And um, they lived there pretty much their entire childhood. Um, it said that she lived there until she got married. So it was quite oh, wow. a bit of time. And she got married later in life. So that's even more important that she was there for that long but because of how wealthy they were they weren't educated in schools like most other kids they um Mm -hmm. had private tutors and governesses Mm. which is probably a better education for them yes but definitely more remote um everything that i read it said her parents were very overprotective and didn't really like them to play with a lot of other children so they kind of were just to themselves a lot kind of loner kids mm-hmm. but it kind of developed their interests in other ways they ran throughout their whole countryside that was where the house was built and they would like collect animals and bugs and like mm-hmm. just look at nature all of the time they were both definitely obsessed with it they actually in their schoolroom they had a ton of pets <laughs> They had mice, rabbits, a hedgehog, and some bats, and then even, like, butterflies and other insects. But the governesses kind of embraced it because the parents were cool with it, and they, like, would draw the animals and study them and, like, learn about them as a part of their education, which sounds really fun and charming. (laughs) Like watching the little rabbits. (laughs) Yeah, and then, like, learning about rabbits, and they're like, okay, now we're going to draw them. (laughs) That's so That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And they said that Beatrix was especially devoted to the care of the small animals. And she would even take them with her when the family went on long holidays. So she would that like so bring cute. her little animals with her. Um, oh. 
which is and really cute. And I like that it was like mice and just like little animals. Yeah. Especially like the kind of animals that maybe would be like a pest. I know. So she's like, no, this is going to be my little friend. <laughs> this is my friend and he's coming on vacation with us. <laughs> and they just rolled with it. And then also Beatrix loved to observe and sketch plants in like botanical life and everything mm-hmm. else out in the nature of their yard so they did that all the time um and that will play in later with another part of her that i think is very cool that we'll get to in just a second um one other fun fact about her childhood is she had a very extensive journal but it was written in code and her code was her own she invented a code and then wrote in her journal in code and it was like a simple letter for letter substitution. So kind of like mm-hmm. the basic ones that you do were A equals this, B equals yes. this. And then, but she's still like very cool that she spent the time to like create and write her You'd own You'd have to code. be like fluent in a whole other alphabet. Mm-hmm. In order to <laughs> like, write it. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. And she also used it as a sketchbook and then a place to kind of write down different stories and stuff that she came up with in her brain. That was always, like, my dream as a child to, like, come up with some type of, like, secret language that only I would get. I know. But I feel like I would start doing it and then, like, forget what it was later. <laughs> I never committed, obviously, like she did. So I, know. I could never get to the point where I could write in a code, like, yeah, fluently. Like, that's crazy. But, yeah, she did that for a really long time. And, of course, now it's been, like, decoded mm-hmm. and um, looked through and everything. But they said that she actually didn't record, like, a lot of her personal life. Like, she wasn't saying, like, Mm. today I went and did this, and tomorrow I did this. It was more talking about, like, what was happening in the world around her, which I thought was kind of cool. cool. So they said it's an invaluable source for understanding a vibrant part of British society, which I thought was really interesting. And um, it also shows, like, her artistic and intellectual interests and then, like, insights on places she visited and then, like, different things she observed in nature. So it was more, like, observations than, like, inner thoughts. Well, I feel like that's super, like, invaluable, though, because if it's, like, what better way to, like, know about a time period than to, like, read it from the perspective of just somebody observing the world Mm -hmm. at that time. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. And kind of cool that she was like that as a child, like... I think most kids, when they start a journal, are like, Dear Tyree, today I oh, ate ice cream and it was delicious. And then yep. I went to bed. But, like, instead, she's making all these little observations and insights on, like, where she's going and what's happening and, like, the plants that she looked at and stuff like that. Just very That's cool. cool. And then this kind of journal and her observations of nature led her to her obsession with mycology. So, mycology is the... Let me make sure I have the exact definition. I'm glad you're defining it because I was worried that this was something that I just had to know and I was like, I don't know what that is. (laughs) I did not know what it was. Okay, this is what I thought it was, but I wanted to make sure. Mycology is the scientific study of fungi. Oh. So, like mushrooms and yeah other things they said that beatrix potter she was interested in every branch of national science save astrom astronomy which i thought was funny like every single one I feel like astronomy is the most interesting one yeah from my perspective <laughs> the stars but she had no interest in that she was really really Weird. interested 
in botany, which apparently mm. was like becoming very um, popular during that time. During yeah. the Victorian era, people were studying it a lot more. And okay. so she kind of was along with that trend, I guess. But she would like collect fossils, study archaeological artifacts from London excavations, like because wow. her parents would take her to a lot of museums, too. Uh-huh. And she was also interested in, I'm going to have to look this one up, too. <laughs> We're getting very scientific this episode. Entomology, which is um, studying insects. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that's what she started drawing and painting in her journal all the time was different like insects and fungus specifically so she actually has a ton of fungi drawings and paintings of different mushrooms and stuff that she observed in her habitat that she was in that's cool yeah which is really cool um and then what kind of deepened that interest is she met charles mcintosh who was Mm -hmm. like an amateur macologist and a revered naturalist so he like studied fungus for a living which mm-hmm. <laughs> did not know was a thing um <laughs> but she met him and then he like looked through her illustrations and like talked to her about improving the accuracy of them like how to make them better and then um talked to her about taxonomy and then um even gave her some live specimens of like fungus to paint during the winter so she began to like study how fungi reproduced and started drawing like pictures of fungus spores and even came up Mm. with her own new theory of germination of like how fungi was reproducing oh wow yeah she had some connections through her uncle who was a chemist and so she consulted with a bunch of botanists and eventually ended up coming up with her own theory of reproduction for um, fungi that wasn't symbiosis, which was the popular theory of the time. Mm -hmm. And she ended up writing a paper to submit to the Linnean Society, which was like a scientific society that would look through things and then, I guess, declare Mm -hmm. things true or not true. (laughs) I don't know how all of that works in the science world, but she wrote a whole theory on the germination of spores in 1896 and submitted Mm -hmm. it to the society so she was smart smart very smart and that was kind of where her passion lied was in like fungi and science at that time Mm -hmm. um there's kind of some controversy on what happened with her paper to the society i read two very different stories so the more popular one that seems to be like around all the time was that she was rejected from the society because she was a female. Oh. So um, it said that the director of the society, because of her sex and her amateur status, um, Mm. rejected her paper, wouldn't let her attend, and then she ended up withdrawing it because they weren't listening and went on with her life. There is another article I read that said that she wasn't rejected that she wasn't allowed to read her paper because she was female but they actually read through and her paper was well received but then she withdrew it because she thought some of her samples had been corrupted so that maybe her theory wasn't correct Mm. and then um it never got resubmitted so 
<laughs> don't know which one was accurate or not um the paper is missing now they've never been able to find it so they don't know if she like got rid of it was right or, or what yeah. happened or anything um they for a long time one of her journal entries that they translated from her code they thought that she had come up with the theory of how fungi actually does produce way before anyone else did but wow. later they thought that maybe they mistranslated it and it wasn't that so I don't know <laughs> kind of hard when someone writes in code and then <laughs> their paper gets lost we don't know exactly if she discovered what they think she did or not so that's kind of up to whatever anyone wants to believe. If you want to believe she was rejected based on sex, which would be pretty common at that time, mm-hmm. that's fine. If you want to believe that they listened to her anyway and then she withdrew it on her own and it got lost, that's fine too. Like, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. kind of up to deliberation. But she went on to actually um, produce over 350 illustrations of fungi. Wow. Mm-hmm. Which she... Like I said, it was like her passion. So she um, painted and drew all these different species of fungi. And a lot of her illustrations are still used today for helping people to identify different types of fungi. Wow. Which is very cool. And part of the appeal of what her drawings are is that Mm -hmm. she was illustrating them very precisely. But it was because she wasn't copying them out of a book of what someone else had drawn or photographed she was Mm -hmm. illustrating what she saw herself in nature so it made it a little bit more accurate and more helpful for what everyone needed that's weird that the default was to copy it from a book like you would think that (laughs) people would go and actually look at the plant but (laughs) maybe go find some mushrooms but yeah that was kind of her whole scientific illustration era which was very cool And um, I would highly recommend everyone to go look up some of her fungi drawings. They're really Mm -hmm. beautiful. Like, (laughs) I wouldn't mind framing some pictures of mushrooms in my house, actually. (laughs) (laughs) They look really amazing. Um, Another note on that, in 1997, the Linnean Society issued a posthumous, so she was already dead, apology to Potter for the sexism displayed in the handling of her research. I don't know if that was based on the rumors or based on, like, actual fact, like I said, mm-hmm. it's kind of a toss-up on what really happened with that whole thing. Well, even if, like, it wasn't exactly the reason, I feel like it it must have played at least some part in it where they did feel like they had to do that formal apology and everything. Mm-hmm. But it kind of, like, makes you wonder of, like, what, you know, if that maybe would have been more encouraged and if she would have been more invited in, like, what contributions could have she made even beyond that because it sounds like she was just doing it on her own like mm-hmm. she wasn't amateur you know it's not like she mm-hmm. went to school for it so man that's really interesting yeah and it's kind of a fun side to her that I don't think a lot of people know because she's yeah. so famous for Peter Rabbit most people don't know that she actually started out illustrating mushrooms so yeah in like and in an attempt to like learn more about them Mm -hmm. and actually coming up with her own theories on like what was going on with them because mushrooms are weird they're not they're not normal like there's a lot I think that people are still figuring out about them so kind of a cool cool. thing but obviously that's not what she's well known for um kind of where her her fame comes from is obviously the book Peter Rabbit 
but it started out as letters. She really, really loved children's books growing up. And at that time, it was a lot of like Aesop's fables, um, Grimm's fairy tales, Hans Christian Andersen, Shakespeare. Like that was kind of what kids read. And even like Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, of course. Um, But she even commented that she was a little bit more obsessed with the illustrations than what the stories were actually about with some of them. Yeah. I thought was very cute because I definitely have some books that I read purely for the pictures (laughs) instead of the stories. So I totally relate to that. But she started out when she was little, she would like re-illustrate some of her favorite stories. Um, But she would make the characters in them her own pets. So her mice, her rabbits, her kittens, and her guinea pigs, which makes sense because they were drawing them in school and everything. And like, if that's what you're looking at all day, she would like draw her little creatures in her stories. Uh And so in the 1890s, her and her brother actually started printing Christmas cards of their own design and different cards for special occasions. And they used mice and rabbits as the subjects for them, which I think mm. is such a cute thing, like a little Christmas card with mice and with rabbits. With little mice on it? Yeah. Little Christmas mice. <laughs> and then um, a couple of firms bought some of her drawings of her rabbit. She named the rabbit Benjamin Bunny at that time. Well, that is mm-hmm. adorable. Little Benjamin Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> and they used it to illustrate some different poems and stuff. And then they bought a couple of her other um, drawings to use for another thing. And then she ended up selling some frog illustrations too, which mm. sounds adorable as well. Oh, that's another children's book I love, Frog and Toad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> frog and Toad. Yeah. But um, based on all of this, Because her illustrations were getting used so much for all these different things, she decided she was going to publish her own illustrated story. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. The person that I want to spotlight today, her name is Jessica Hargwood. And you can, that's yeah, that's just her Instagram name, Jessica Hargwood. Um, And her Instagram bio, it says a creative soul embracing color through art and fashion. And she does like sculpt. And she's been sculpting paint since 2016. What? So, yeah. So not that, like, she's been doing it super recently, but her work is so amazing and creative. Like, I want one. It's like what, I don't really know exactly what it is, but it, like, incorporates, like, paint and, like, sculpting little tiny flowers that she'll put on a canvas. Yeah, I think from what I can tell, this is just a guess. No, of course. she's taking paint and letting it dry on probably like Mm. wax paper or something and then literally sculpting it that's way cool and it's probably and it's cool because it's like 3d painting kind of yeah it's really really cool i've never seen someone do this kind of technique before with acrylic paint yeah this is insane it's so beautiful like i want one like i can't wait till i own a home one day so i can get a paint like a statement piece for my kitchen or living room like I don't know it's it's really amazing I discovered her because I follow color me Courtney and I think we shouted her out on a previous episode and um she shared something not that long ago so I started following her and I was like holy cow this is insane and she only has like a thousand followers on Instagram which is just insane to me because like when I went to her work I was like oh this lady's 
not that like the amount of followers is any testament to how well we do or how but you know what I mean like yeah I just like this is beautiful and it's amazing and I feel like she definitely deserves a lot of credit so go check her out again it's Jessica Hargwood guys I cannot say enough you've got to at least go look at these yeah just go look like you said it's so unique I've never seen anything like it she has some that's like braided so I think mm. she did like strips of acrylic and then like braided them and then wove them together on the canvas. This is crazy. Yeah. Like this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So check her out. Oh, hey, there you go. You can send her a, a message and she does commissions. So then you're guaranteed one. I don't know how much it would be, but <laughs> eventually you can get a commission. I love these. Okay. Well, anyways. Yep. Very obsessed with her work. That's go awesome. give her a shout out. I think she's... Yeah, what she does is amazing. Okay, I have one. Her name is Brie, and then I'm going to say her last name wrong. So, Gok Oski. I'm going to spell it. Just <laughs> It's B-R-I, that's her first name, and then G-A-W-K-O-S-K-I. Gokoski, I think. Yeah, pretty sure. She is a collage artist. Ooh, which yeah. is really cool. Um, she actually does a very different kind of style of collage, which I really love. She does dot collages. So she'll take little dots from different like vintage magazines and create like these little grid That's cool. collages out of them. I think it's awesome. And plus her Instagram is just like so aesthetic. <laughs> it really is. This is so awesome. yeah. But one of the reasons I'm recommending her, I always keep forgetting to mention her because even though she is an artist and she posts a lot of art stuff, she also does a lot of like thrifting and estate sale hauls and a bunch of different things like that, which is just really cool and fun. So I think she's just a fun person to follow. And her yeah, life literally looks so aesthetic. Like you could take all of her <laughs> pictures and like, put it in a magazine so yeah she does that she also does a lot of like self-portraits and like dabbles in photography um and she has an etsy shop as Mm. well where she sells a lot of like her collage pieces she used to do custom dot collages but she doesn't have time right now to do that um Mm. but when she does start that up again those are really cool so you like tell her about a person and then she like creates a little dot collage for them and sends it so yeah very cool highly recommend i enjoy like all of her content so yeah i just gave her a follow awesome yeah and (laughs) this is a little (laughs) message and confession i have been super bad about posting our artist spotlights so i'm sorry (laughs) if you guys have been waiting for someone and i haven't put them in our (laughs) our bio end of school just like got to me and then the holiday season as well oh it so i am going to like catch up and we'll get better at these but if i don't (laughs) have them on our instagram highlight or anything else we're always following them yes Um, so you can look through our followers yeah and then definitely like just come back to the episodes and listen to the clips and we usually Mm -hmm. spell them out and give you the handle to go and find them so totally (laughs) sorry guys yes well (laughs) go check out those artists they're both very very unique but it's okay Mm -hmm. stani we forgive you (laughs) thanks all right now back to the show Mm-hmm. And this was kind of inspired by the fact that whenever she went on a holiday to like a different place, she would send letters to young friends. And most of the time it was one of her governesses, her favorite governess. She had three growing up, but one of her mm-hmm. favorites, she was only three years older than her at the time, which oh, makes wow. sense why it was her favorite. 
Um, They just got along really well. But she had some children at the time. And so um, Potter would write letters to these children and Mm -hmm. like tell them stories and illustrate them. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So her governess's oldest son, Noel, was really ill at the time. And so in 1893, while she was gone, she'd run out of things to talk about with him. And so she Mm -hmm. decided to tell him a little story. So she said, I'm going to tell you a little story about four little rabbits whose names were Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And that was the beginning of one of the most famous children's letters. Yeah. And it was like the basis for her whole future career. So That's so cool. Yeah. Like super cute. Of course, her governess, her former governess was like, you really need to do something with this. Like, this is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And so she ended up revising her little tale about the four little rabbits and made her own little dummy book out of it. So she like Mm -hmm. glued in her illustrations and put the text in in order to like make it look like an actual book. Yeah. But she couldn't find a buyer for the work. (laughs) It got rejected by like numerous publications and like no one was interested in it. It was just in black and white at the time. But a friend had read it and saw a ton of faith in it. And recast it in dyadic verse is what it's called. I think they tried to make it into like kind of poetry more. Okay. And that like popularized it a little bit. And then a publishing company came forward and they were like, oh, actually we'll reconsider and we'll accept your little bunny book. And that's what they called it, a bunny book. (laughs) And um, they asked her to actually use her original prose. So her original... Mm. instead of the poem and then they just wanted her to color in her pen and ink illustrations to add some color to the little children's book and so on october 2nd of 1902 the tale of peter rabbit was published wow yeah and it was an immediate success like people loved it and um the year later she wrote another one called the tale of squirrel nutkin and another, The Tailor of Gloucester, which I'm probably saying wrong. And then um, these were all based on picture letters that she'd written to the children of her governess. So all of these were coming from that. And then she ended up publishing 23 books in all with that publisher. And the last one was a little collection of nursery rhymes and um, a couple of others. So... They all had little creatures in them. They're all about little animals and like different Mm -hmm. tales and adventures of them. They're very cute, which is just adorable. That is adorable. Yeah. And part of what they loved about her books and why they were so popular is not only like the illustrations, which everyone loved, but the fact that the books didn't have a moral lesson. Um, Interesting. <laughs> which was so common in children's books at that time. Like I talked about Aesop's fables and different things like that. Um, yeah. Pretty much every tale that children read was like teaching them a moral principle. Yeah. And part of the like appeal of her books is that they were just stories. Like they were just imaginative mm-hmm. stories with beautiful illustrations and like wonderful pictures of the countryside and plants and little creatures that were just fun like it wasn't trying to like teach everyone something it was just fun it was just a nice fun story yeah 
That's which cool. I think probably we could say that it helped start a trend of stories that are just kind of more fun and imaginative today mm-hmm. rather than um, being stuck having to learn a moral principle with every book that you ever read. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Another part of her um, career was that she was a very canny businesswoman. And in yeah. 1903, she made and patented a Peter Rabbit doll. And um, it ended up creating a bunch of other spinoff merchandise. So there was like painting books, board games, wallpaper, figurines, baby blankets, China tea sets. Peter the Rabbit. Yeah, on everything. And of all of her other little creatures. And it was all licensed by her publisher and she got an independent income from it as well. So she was getting profits off of everything that was being produced. Which is incredible. So she was, yeah, very smart. Yes. It's, and I think it's also smart, too. Like, it was published in 1902. In 1903, she's like, nope, we're, yeah. we're making she's sure like, I own the rights to this. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to own this character, and we are going to profit off of it. <laughs> and of course. Yeah. And it was really popular. Kind of a sad little story in the midst of all of this. In 1905, um, she fell in love with Norman Wayne. Warren. Norman Warren. And the publishing company that she was working with was Frederick Warren and Co. So it was actually mm. the third son of her publisher. So it was the third oldest of their publisher that was publishing mm-hmm. her book. And they fell in love and got unofficially engaged. They couldn't get her father's blessing. Oh, Yeah, her dad completely rejected to the match because um, Warren was in trade. So he, like, had a job. I guess, <laughs> which at that I time that. was like not socially suitable because they were all wealthy and they just like lived off of their wealth. So him like having a trades job was just like not allowed. But like, I feel like if her there, like his dad was a publisher and owned a publishing company, it's not like I'm, they and, weren't and like poor. that publish. Yeah. Like it's not like that's a <laughs> poor situation especially if that publishing house was publishing these books that were so successful even if he didn't like work for the publishing house like I can imagine he would have been set you know like they weren't poor (laughs) it was a very well-off family but her parents wouldn't accept um sadly though this is what makes it even more tragic their engagement even though it was unofficial it only lasted for one month because Warren died of a pernicious anemia which is basically i had to look it up it's a blood disease where your body can't absorb enough nutrients so it just like your body just stops getting what it needs and so he ended up dying at age 37 that's so sad yeah so like they're in love they get engaged her parents object and then only a month later he dies because they were just gonna get married anyway but I, that's what I was gonna say I was like mad that she would not marry him for that reason but yeah. it sounds like she would have they she didn't have long enough which Aww. is so so sad and kind of this is where she ended up retreating from society a little bit um mm-hmm. in that same year where he passed away uh she used some of her income and then a small inheritance that she had gotten from her aunt and she bought Hilltop Farm and it's in like the English Lake District and it's beautiful. She um it's recorded saying that Potter and Warren may have hoped that Hilltop Farm would be their holiday home. So they were gonna like go there and live there and it would be like their vacation house. But she went ahead and bought it anyway after he passed away. And that's kind of where she continued her life. She wrote more stories there. 
she ended up starting a farm um, on her own. The farmer that had been there before, after before she bought it, they agreed to stay on and help manage the farm and help her mm-hmm. so that she could learn how to learn the techniques and different things of like how to actually yeah. manage a farm. But she had pigs, cows, and chickens, and then the following year she added sheep. Aw. Yeah. And this kind of became like a new chapter for her. Her life kind of is in chapters. It's like she studied mushrooms and then she wrote books and then she started a farm. And her farm actually became very widely known and respected. Um, She ended up buying more, too, and managing even more. She became friends with her neighbor across the road, and he ended up marrying her in 1912. And her parents objected again, obviously. Um, well, she got married anyway. <laughs> I don't trust what they have to say. So. Yeah, they disapproved because he was a country solicitor, whatever that is. And um, they got married anyway and then moved in, I think it was in the same area as the farm that she had bought. So kind of where mm-hmm. they had both been. But their home was called Castle Cottage, which is such a cute Castle little name. Castle Cottage. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then um, her little house at Hilltop um, was her private studio that she had, too. So she kind of kept all of her properties and then continued on with her life. Um, She wrote a few other stories. There's one, The Tale of Jemima Petal Duck and The Tale of Tom Kitten. And they said that both of those probably came from her farming life and, like, her Mm -hmm. country life and everything there. And then... Like I said, she became very well known for her sheep farming. She became very interested in breeding and raising herdwook sheep, which Hmm. was like an indigenous sheep. But (laughs) she brought this herd of herdwick sheep and had thousands of it and was admired by all of the farm managers for being Mm -hmm. willing to like continue to raise these sheep. And she also would experiment with like the newest and greatest biological remedies for diseases of sheep so she would try Mm. out like new methods of like helping sheep with problems i feel like this lady's a genius (laughs) yeah and then they actually said by the late 1920s um they had a prize-winning herdwick flock which took a lot of prizes at the local agriculture shows sometimes she would even serve as a judge at the agriculture shows to like judge Mm -hmm. the best sheep and in 1942, she became the president-elect of the Herdwick Sheep Breeders Association. And she was actually the first woman to ever have been elected for the Herdwick Sheep Breeders Association. But she passed away before she was able to take office. Aww. Which is very sad. At the time of her death, she owned 14 farms and 4,000 acres of land. 14? Uh-huh. That's, that has so many farms. <laughs> yeah. Um, One of the other things that she was really well known for is she helped with the Lake District Conservation. Um, She was a huge advocate for keeping the the land that she was living on, like, preserved and restored. And that's part of her interest in the Herdwick sheep that was the indigenous farm was to make sure that they stayed alive and Mm. thriving and didn't die off. Um, And that's also why she bought a lot of those farms was because she wanted to make sure that the land stayed, like, pure and Mm. preserved. 
So she's like, I'm buying it so I can take care of it. Yeah. And um, she's like looked at as one of the main reasons why the Lake District still exists the way that it does, which is really nice. Oh, so her and her husband stayed married for 30 years. And mm-hmm. I think up until her death, so it was a happy marriage of 30 years, um, they worked mainly together on farming and preservation efforts. They did not have any kids, but they said that she played a very important role in his large family. So she helped educate a lot of nieces and gave a lot of comfort and aid to her husband's brothers and sisters. So she played a very important role in their lives, even though they didn't have any kids of her own. Um, She ended up dying of complications from pneumonia and heart disease Mm. on December 22nd, 1943, and was cremated, which I thought was interesting because I didn't think it was very popular at that time. And something kind of interesting, because she didn't have any kids, she actually left over 4,000 acres of land, 16 farms, cottages, and herds of the cattle and herdwick sheep to the National Trust. Wow. So she didn't keep any of it, and I don't think her husband got any of it either. Wow. Uh, yeah. At the time, it was the largest gift ever given to the National Trust, and that's also part of the reason why she was so known for, like, district conservation Mm. because she like gave all of it over after her death and um they continued to keep it and carry on her legacy yeah that's really cool Mm -hmm. so some things now of course her legacy continues her books are still well known i know that i read a few of her stories growing up i'm sure most people have i knew exactly who peter rabbit was yes (laughs) exactly Um, and then also an asteroid was named in her memory. Wow. In 2017, there is an, an asteroid. asteroid. Yes. Named Beatrix Potter. All one word. Cool. Which I guess you have to have one word if you're going to name an asteroid. I don't know. Good to know. Yeah. If you ever want to name one. If I ever want to name an asteroid, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> it has to be Sadie Anderson. All one word. Sadie Anderson. <laughs> in 1971, a ballet film was released based on the tales of Beatrix Potter, which is very cool and has a lot of her characters in costume. And it says it's been performed all over the world. In 1982, the BBC produced The Tale of Beatrix Potter, and it was a dramatization of her life. And it had, like, the world of Peter Rabbit and Friends and all that stuff as well. In 1993, there is also a film called Beatrix Potter, Artist, Storyteller, and Countrywoman um, that is produced. And in 2006, there was a movie called Miss Potter, which was a biographical film of her life. So I want to watch that now. Yeah. Bunch of stuff's been made about her. I think there was a new animated Peter Rabbit that just came out super recently, too. There's a Beater Rabbit 2 that's coming out in 2021. Wow. Cute. Yeah. And of course, it looks adorable. It's like it has it's totally based off of her illustrations. The little rabbit with the blue jacket. Very cute. Of course. Very cute. <laughs> yeah. So you can definitely go watch that. Cute little children's movie about Peter Rabbit. Yeah. Which is so cute. And then something cool that I found out about that I had no idea existed is there is a Beatrix Potter Museum. Oh, cool. It's called The World of Beatrix Potter, and it is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. There's little setups of, like, Uh little creatures doing things from her books. Well, that's very cute. And you can actually, like, go and sit with them and, like, take pictures with them. But they look 
so cute like you can go sit in a little living room with a hedgehog doing laundry and it's wearing like a little apron and drying socks above the fireplace and you can go sit on a stool next to the hedgehog that is very nice yeah like it looks like the cutest little place in the whole wide world there's like little pigs with knapsacks walking along a road it literally looks so adorable wow so yeah if anyone's going to london anytime soon i feel like if i ever make it across the big pond yep (laughs) i'm gonna go to beatrix potter's little house or little museum i know and if you can't go then at least look at pictures because this seriously is so cute there's like a little pond with frogs wearing like coats (laughs) that is very cute i think i like a new obsession of little animals wearing clothes (laughs) it's so cute (laughs) or like the little rabbits gardening i think i've talked about my new obsession with pet um bunnies on this podcast i can't remember but now i really want I'm, I want to name a bunny Benjamin Bunny. I feel yeah. like that is a very cute name. You should. For a little bunny. <laughs> I think it's adorable. We have a pet rabbit that we love that we also <laughs> stole from my little sister for context. It's a very cute little It's rabbit. our little friend. Anyways. So yeah, that's Beatrix Potter. Um, Her house is actually still, well, her childhood home got bombed in World War, one of the World Wars. But mm-hmm. then where they rebuilt it, they put a schoolhouse there. And there's a oh, sign cool. that says, like, the former location of mm-hmm. their home. That's so, cool. Yeah. What I like about her life and I think so cool is that, like, the way that all these different passions connected, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, she was obsessed with fungi and, like, learning about science and, like, wanted to get published. And she drew all those pictures. And then she was a children's book author And then she was a farmer. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes I want to be so dialed in of like, no, my purpose is this. I'm a singer songwriter and I'm not going to let anything distract me. But I feel like the fact that she was just like doing, you know, like, like you said, like there's just chapters of her life where she was doing different things that she was interested in, but that even though they all seem so separated, it sounds like they all ended up connecting, which I think is really cool. No, I think it's so cool to see like, she loved animals as a kid, and so she made mm-hmm. up stories and drew pictures, and then she really liked mushrooms, and then that ended up being children's books, and then she yeah. raised sheep, and that integrated into her children's books. Like, it mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, it does exactly what you said. It helps you realize that there's multiple different ways to approach your yeah. life, and you don't have to be, like, a single faceted person. Like, you can yeah. be very multifaceted and allow different things and passions to overtake you at different times. Mm-hmm. and roll with them exactly and also too like i think the fact that she did do that it made her art better you know like it made her yeah. better able to do it and she was successful in everything she did <laughs> i know like that's quite impressive <laughs> she wants to study mushrooms comes up with new theories about fungi <laughs> submits a paper wants to yeah. do children's books ends up being one of the most beloved children's authors of all time wants to yeah. raise sheep wins a bunch of awards ends up being a judge for sheep farming like what very impressive yeah just crazy and very cool that she was mm-hmm. able to kind of just take on different things and approach different things with the same enthusiasm yeah very fascinating lady yeah 
want to go watch one of those movies about her. I know. It's like, wow, there's a lot. <laughs> I know. I feel like that's so impressive. But yeah. And I realize there's probably a lot of people out there that are like, you didn't know about Beatrix Potter. How did you not know about her? And I think that might happen quite a bit throughout the podcast. But I think the cool part is, is that sometimes we're going to cover people that you know and love. And sometimes yes. we're going to cover people that you've never heard about. And then it can like all blend together. And then everyone yeah. will just know more women artists and their accomplishments and i also think too though is even if we we know we don't know the artists a lot of the time we do know the art Mm -hmm. you know like if you would have asked me before like who wrote peter rabbit i'd be like i don't know but i know that peter rabbit is a little bunny in a blue jacket like (laughs) you know so i think it's cool to be able to like match the art with the artist and then also like hear more about their life because like yeah wow like Mm -hmm. what an interesting life it was kind of cool how i ran across her too Um, obviously I have a lot of pins saved on Pinterest of different things that I eventually want to talk about. So I get recommended stuff sometimes. Yeah. And honestly, the first thing I saw was like, there was these beautiful pictures of like fungi, (laughs) just beautiful illustrations of fungi. And then I read the text and it was talking about how, um, she had been rejected from the society for her paper and then ended up writing Peter Rabbit. And I went, what? <laughs> like, how do you go from illustrating mushrooms to drawing a children's book about a little bunny? <laughs> how does that happen? Yeah. So. That's yeah. amazing. So I think it's just cool that there's so many people out there that we can learn about. And mm-hmm. they have like and all these different live events that we don't even know anything about. Learn about and learn from. Definitely. Well, thank you for introducing me to the world of Beatrix Potter. Of course. Happy to. So thank you everyone for tuning in to More Than a Muse this week. I hope that you're excited for the new year, for what we will have to offer. We're very excited for this, yeah, these next upcoming episodes and this next upcoming year with you guys. As per usual, if you want to rate and subscribe and follow us on Instagram or on TikTok, join our Patreon. There's so many great ways that you can help. But regardless, we're just happy you're here and you're happy that you're listening. Yes, we are. So we'll be here again next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Specialize in die-cast metal miniature gun models that you didn't know you've been looking for. Called Goat Guns. Ah! Yes, Goat. They are the greatest of all time gun models you can display on your desk. Buy, build, and collect them. We offer a 90-day return policy if you don't love yours. Start your collection at GoatGuns.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.